So today we're going to do part three. Today is all about food. And we've been going through three days of prayer and fasting. It's amazing how these things work together. So our series is responding to God in prayer. You know, as we kind of survey the situation in the world, we've said it's like a locust plate. It's, you know, the locusts have come in and the locusts, I think there are four or five types. What locust number one doesn't eat, locust number two eats. And what locust number one and two don't eat, locust number three eats. And whatever those three locusts don't eat, locust number four eats. And then lastly, those, that last locust just decimates everything. And so we see shaking. We see a world in turmoil. We see a world that is battling in, in many, many ways. And I, I think where our trust was in this world's systems and this world's goods, God has shaken us so that, like from Hebrews it says, We've been given a kingdom that cannot be shaken. But in this, God is raising for himself a church, for me, that is full of the glory of God, fully representative of God, with their lives firmly built on the foundation. And so, from the book of Joel, where we've been kind of looking at the outline of Joel to understand how to respond, way back when COVID began, we, we were busy with the book of Joel, COVID happened, and we knew the one thing that we need to do in these circumstances is who are we going to call? I know. Not 911, not ADT, nor Ghostbusters. We're going to cry out to Jesus. It is the church, a season is now for us to be those who know how to resource themselves in our relationship with God. And it's interesting, as we look through Scripture, feasts play a big role. You know, the Old Testament festivals were feasts. They would, they would have a bride. They would kind of slaughter many oxen and many lambs and all the rest. And it was always to celebrate God's goodness, God's victory, God's grace. And so on the scene breaks Jesus Christ and he introduces us to true food. He introduces us to what is going to last forever. And then when Christ comes back again, what are we going to do? We're going to have a wedding feast and there's going to be feasting like we've never seen before. If we could get, get a revelation of this table, it is pathetic. You've got these little cups and these little wafers representing bread and wine, the breaking of bread. So the, the actual physical you know, presence of that means nothing. The spiritual feast that is on these tables is overwhelming. And in the book of Joel, you know, Joel prophesies grain, wine, and oil have disappeared because of this locust plague. Grain, wine, and oil were the commodities that kept a pastoral or a farming community going. If you never had these, you starved. If you had these in abundance, you were able to trade with it and you flourished. And as kind of Israel went through the various stages of history, they got to times where God disciplined them, where he judged them, and he brought in invading armies, he brought in famines, and he brought in plagues 
so that he could get their attention again. And whenever he did that, these three things, grain, wine, and oil, disappeared. And the flourishing of these was the blessing of God. And so Joel says, this plague of locusts have caused these things to go, even to the degree that they couldn't worship God, because worship needed grain, wine, and oil. They needed those commodities to offer up bread to God and to kind of pour the oil over the offering, and the oil as well made up the holy anointing oil, so it was integral. So in other words, he's saying through your disobedience and through taking your eyes off me, this has disappeared. There's no more worship. There's no more food in Israel. And so they turn to him, and then God says, as they turn, I am going to restore to you grain, wine, and oil. We're going to try and understand what this means spiritually, but there's this physical picture of God saying, I'm going to give it to you. He pours out the Spirit, and through the pouring out of Spirit, He says, now you are going to produce these. God's desire is that we as a church, or as the church, would be able to resource those around us with grain, wine, and oil. And so he's saying to the nation, eventually you're going to see the mountains drip with honey. You're going to see the rivers flow. You're going to see an abundance of grain, wine, and oil. And so it's important for us to understand the spiritual significance of this. So Joel prophesies into this period between the first coming and the second coming of Jesus. So with the coming of Jesus, we read scriptures about him saying he is true food. As we look at Christ, He is the feast. He has the feast before us. Blood that was shed and a body that was broken. That's true food. This is what's going to sustain us. If you want to think spiritually what is going to give us life and keep us going, it's this. And that's why Jesus very carefully, at just before He's about to give up His life, breaks bread with the disciples so they would understand the spiritual significance that He is the giver of life. And so the shaking, the locusts, the turmoil in the world today is getting the church back to the place where we would understand how are we sustained? What gives you life? What is the true food that enables you to make it from day to day? What are you reliant on? What is your diet like? And many times through the shaking, our foundations have proved brittle. Our foundations have proved inadequate. And so God's getting our attention through this so that we not only would be living off grain, wine, and oil, but also the church would be the producers of grain, wine, and oil. What does the world need? Grain, wine, and oil. And so let's have a look at these in a little bit more detail, kind of using a bit of I'd say interpretive license. What is the grain? The grain, if we understand it in Scripture, is the Word of God. Jesus says, I am the Word, and we understand that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. And so the grain is your life truly built on the Word of God, the grain, because that should be our nourishment. It, it, it shouldn't be... Uh, kind of somebody else's opinion or a book that I've read or some inspiring, you know, poet that put together a, a wonderful poem or a bit of prose. We need to live daily 
on the Word of God. And so as much as I can't make it from day one to day two without eating, so it is. The Word of God sustains us. That is the grain. What is the wine? The wine is the blood of Jesus. It's the gospel. The foundation of my life is built on the gospel of Jesus Christ. As he has saved me, I want to work out my salvation with fear and trembling. And so the wine should be a commodity that not only is evident in the life of every believer, but it's something that is an example to this world. It's the, we have an answer, we have an opinion in these times, and it is that Jesus Christ died on the cross and his blood was shed that we may be free. Isn't that awesome? Is the gospel important to you? Is the gospel important to me? Because without it, we're impoverished. Without it, you, you know, the message of this church isn't to make good citizens. The message of this church isn't to kind of give us a holy huddle. The message of this church is we have found the meaning of life in the blood of Christ and it's forgiveness of sin and we want this world to know about it. The third thing is oil. And that I feel God is bringing back to us as, a, as an understanding, the presence of God. So between the first coming and the second coming of Jesus, he wants to sustain the church with grain, wine, and oil. Oil is the very presence. Jesus said, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. He said that to the disciples. And we know that the book of Joel is the scripture Peter uses on the day of Pentecost when the Spirit of God comes. And so we're going to see from the first coming to the second coming, constant outpourings of the Spirit. And the invitation is everyone, everyone, come and drink. Come and enjoy this anointing. Come and enjoy this partnership. Um, in Galatians, it says, keep in step with the Spirit. He's going to produce fruit. Allow Him to anoint us because He's going to give us gifts. And so on a daily basis, He will manifest Christ to us. He'll show us the way to live. He'll give us every single thing we need to accomplish what He's called us to do. So how is your relationship with the Holy Spirit? I certainly hope it's not something in the background because as much as the Holy Spirit is known by His manifestations, He is God. He is God. And so in place of Christ being with us on the earth today, the Holy Spirit is here to manifest and to show us Christ, to give us everything that Christ gave. He wants to give us that. And so it's important that we become a people of grain, wine and oil. Are these important to you? Are they important to me? It is vitally important that we build our lives on these. So seasons come where the locusts eat away at this. Seasons come where we take our eyes off this. But I believe the current circumstances we're in, as we respond to God in prayer, as we say, Lord, we want to feast of what is real food. We want to enjoy what is the feast of heaven. This is the best that heaven has given. Given, and there is nothing greater than that. Nothing greater than grain, wine, and oil. Let's read a couple of scriptures and then we're going to pray. We're going to pray through this because we are trusting God that that spiritual appetite would return. Doesn't it surprise you? It surprises me about myself how my appetite goes. I can go days without reading the word, without praying, without even thinking of God. And I know you're all looking at me saying, sheep, what a sinner. Well, 
human nature just has that way of neglecting what is important. And then when some of the disasters happen, we wonder why. Well, it's because you're starving. You need to get back to that place of fellowship and enjoying God. The scriptures are going to come up. Matthew 5 verse 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Hunger and thirst. Have you ever sat down in a chair and in your devotional time, you, you know, you kind of thought through that, you meditated. Lord, I'm hungry and I'm thirsting for your righteousness. I'm desiring that. My whole desire as I'm sitting here now, I just want righteousness as relationship with God. I want you. I want your values. I want your presence in my life. Right at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, before he chooses the disciples, he goes through this teaching called Sermon on the Mount. This is one of those beatitudes, beautiful attitudes that he wants to see cultivated in us. And straight away he's saying there needs to be a hunger in us for more. There's never a point where we've had enough. We never get full. Now the invite of Jesus in Revelation chapter 3, we read it last week, is behold I stand at the door and knock. And you know what? That knocking is to get our attention so we can open the door. Why? So we can feast. I'm hungry and I'm thirsty for the things of the kingdom. That's what righteousness is. I'm hungry for those. I want to see more of those develop in my life. John 6 verse 53. This is how Jesus dispersed the crowd. This is what separates kind of those who believe without a conviction and those who have a conviction. So Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. And so the early Christians were known as cannibals. They were known as cannibals because for some who were commentating and perhaps criticizing because of this statement and because whenever they broke bread, they said we eat in his body and we drink in his blood. They were considered cannibals. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. And I will raise him up on that last day. For my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. As the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father. So whoever feeds on me, he also will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Not like the bread the fathers ate and died. That's the manna. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Yes. And so when I read this, I say, I need a greater appetite, Father. You know, help me be delivered from a very parochial, small view of what is on offer here. You see, heaven has given us the best. This is the feast of feasts. There's nothing better than this. And this not only will get me saved, but it will sustain me and prepare me for this eternal life that he has. And from then onwards, from the wedding feast onwards, I will continue to feast off him. And so therefore, right now, Lord, would you help me grow a greater appetite for you, for grain, wine, and oil? Isaiah 55 verse 1, listen to the invitation over the next couple of verses. Come, everyone who thirsts, 
come to the waters. And he who has no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. That there is primarily an invite into the kingdom. It's the invite to accept Christ as Lord and Savior. And it's that, you remember that moment when you received him and you prayed and the desperation in your heart and the peace you felt? And when you heard about you don't have to die because Christ has died, the relief and the joy in this, we need to see that ongoingly as a hunger and thirst for him. So come, if you never, have never prayed that prayer, as we break bread today, because we're going to do that at the end of our time of prayer, would you do that in your heart and say, I want to come? Salvation costs you nothing. You don't have to come and put a tithe in the box. You don't have to. There is no cost because it's been paid for in full by Jesus. All you've got to do is receive him into your heart as Lord and Savior. And then from then onwards, continue to go to him. We don't get saved. Remember the Galatians get saved by faith in Christ and then they revert to the law. No, we don't get saved through grace and through this work of the Spirit and then try and do it on our own. We need to continually go back to him to satisfy. Then it says in John 6, 35, and Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. That's a powerful promise. And so can you see how the foundation of our lives, the very essence of our lives, the very importance of our lives, the very focal point of our lives is Jesus Christ. He said in Matthew chapter 16, I will build my church. And that church was built on a revelation of who he is. As Peter got a revelation, so he's wanting to reveal to us himself in every situation. You're going through despair, he wants to reveal himself. You're going through confusion, he wants to reveal himself so that he's the sustenance. As the church goes through its seasons, like uh, with the Ephesians church, come back to your first love. It's not about expediency and learning how to make quality, logical decisions. It's about getting ourselves back to Christ and feeding off him. And then Psalm 143, verse 6. I stretch out my hands to you. My soul thirsts for you like a parched land. Selah. That means pause and consider. So he has this desert land. And as that desert land cries out for water to sustain it, that's me in your presence, Lord. Here I am standing in worship, not, oh, we're singing those old songs again. Yeah, I just hope they sing something new or something that I know or something I like. No, no, it's an opportunity. Every opportunity is like, I'm a desert and I need you, the river. Fill me, Lord. Revelation 22, 17, the spirit and the bride say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. And let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires to take the water of, water of life without price. That's right at the end of Revelation. Now the prophet is prophesying and he's saying there's circumstances that are going to hit this planet that are going to rock it. But I'm saying to every single one, come and let's drink and let's eat. And so we, in the circumstances we find ourselves in, are like a feast to this world. Because yes, a people sustained through the circumstances that we find ourselves in, joyful 
and full of hope. That is the product of grain, wine, and oil. And then lastly, Psalm 42, and then we're going to pray. It says this, as a deer pants for streams, so my soul longs for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? Can, can you just feel the emotion? Now, I, I'm saying if that's not there, Father, would you restore it? Look, there are times, like I said, I go through that. You go through that. I don't want this to be a lifestyle. It cannot be that. I want to break the drought. I want to break the pattern of, of not having this thirst and this passion and desire for him. And that's what we're going to pray for now. My tears have been my food day and night while they say to me all day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I would go with the throng and lead them in a procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude-keeping festival. Why, you, why are you cast down, O oh my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me, hoping God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation. For my God and my God, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore I remember you from the land of the Jordan and of Hermon from Mount Miser. Deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. All your breakers and waves have gone over me. By day the Lord commands his steadfast love and at night his song is with me. A prayer to my God, to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me while they say to me all the day long, where is your God? Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. So we can get to very low places, to the point where people will even point at me and say, Okay, so where's your God? And what he's saying, the key to all of this is as the deer pants for the water and is thirsty, so we are hungry for him. We're going to break bread now, but we're going to just spend a little bit of time praying for breakthrough when it comes to this thing of an appetite for God.